Would you like to hear a story? Maybe a scary story? Or maybe a sad one? Maybe you like the ones that are dark and weird. That's good, because I've got a lot of them up my sleeve. And they all tend towards spooky and wistful and strange. And yes, weird. That's because I'm sending these stories your way from the great American Southwest. It's a darkly magical sort of place. So hey, story junkies, greetings, saludos. I'm Adrienne Montoya, the creator and host of this new narrative podcast, Southwest Gothic. As the name implies, I'm mining the dark, rich folklore and history of the Southwest states and Northern Mexico. This is a place where history is deeper and more complex than you might believe at first glance. It's more than rattlesnakes and sand, and richer than two-dimensional stereotypes of cowboys and Indians or dark-eyed senoritas working in dusty saloons. Real life has more depth than that, more color and sound. Out here, our real-life dramas and the dubious tales get all twisted up together with questionable protagonists, bloodshed, pain, secret and hidden doings both evil and good, whispers of magic, gods and ghosts, and a healthy dose of dark humor. Come sit by my fireside here in the ether and I'll spin you a tale. It's just a teaser today, but I promise it's a good one. This one is a Colorado story, a mountain man story about Bill and Margarito, and the bear. Let's start with bears. When we get to the people in the story, the mountain men, I'd like for you to still be thinking about bears and how unnerving it would be to spend the winter in an isolated cabin, miles from other humans, but right across the meadow from a cranky bear. So, bears, right now, in 2019, there are loads of black bears in Colorado. Mostly, black bears are fuzzy opportunivores with a case of the munchies. They're not as sneaky as they'd like you to think, and they enjoy slumming in the suburbs for back porch bowls of dog food and easy open trash cans. They can hurt a person, but usually they don't. Then there are grizzlies. Or there were grizzlies, since we're talking Colorado, Grizzlies thrive and are well-documented from Wyoming north to Alaska, but officially, Colorado has been grizzly-free since 1951. There have been sightings and even violent encounters since then, but not officially. Nearly all these unofficial incidents occurred deep in the mountains in the sparsely populated south-central and southwest parts of Colorado, Areas the bears prefer for the plentiful berries and nuts and fish and rotting things to devour, and the dearth of humans. Grizzlies are massive, so they're voracious eaters. They're territorial and can be violent, and they're equipped with sharp teeth and monstrous claws. They don't usually seek out people, and their preference for isolated places is beneficial for humans and for bear kind. Sometimes, though, people have reasons to be in isolated places, and for more than a few days at a time. San Luis Peak sits high and deep in the Lagarita wilderness of the Colorado Rockies. 
San Luis is an isolated mountain that sees very little human traffic, even today. The numerous streams on the slopes are full of trout and also beaver ponds. It was the beavers, or rather their pelts, that drew trappers into this wilderness in the early to mid-19th century. It was difficult, dangerous work, but it could be very lucrative. It might also have been a great place to prospect for gold. More dangerous, yes, but potentially even more lucrative. I hope you're still thinking of bears, because I've got a pair of men who were wary of bears. Bill Stewart and Margarito Chavez were either fur trappers or gold prospectors. I think they were trappers, and while it makes a difference historically, we're deep into folklore territory now. As far as we're concerned, Stewart and Chavez worked a tough job in harsh, dangerous conditions, but they made bank doing it. And they watched out for bears, among other things. They worked well together. Chavez liked to tease Stewart about the ugly green wool cap he wore, while Stewart ribbed Chavez about the flowery prints on the calico shirts he fancied. That season, when they found their success on the northeast slope of San Luis Peak, Chavez had been wearing a yellow shirt with tiny red flowers on it. They had a cabin in the pine forest and enough provisions to see them through a normal winter. Winter came early that year, but they dug in. It had been a good season, and now they only had to keep themselves warm and fed. Stuart and Chavez were old hands at wintering over. In the spring, they'd sell their pelts at the rendezvous, or assay their gold down the mountain in the town of Creed. Except that now spring was overdue, and the winter was going to outlast their supplies. They began rationing and hunting small game around the cabin, but it wasn't enough. On top of that, they had an unfriendly neighbor who'd just woken up. At first, it was just the sound of something very large moving in the trees something large enough to be unconcerned about its own clumsy racket. But what? Any living being with an ounce of sense was hiding out from the cold. For three or four days they heard it, intermittently, not able to pinpoint the source. One day, there was another set of sounds that joined the rustling. Whatever it was grunted and yowled with a distinct, nasal yet throaty complaint that set the men on edge. If you'd forgotten about the bears, now's the time to remember. Stuart and Chavez peered out the cracks, even daring to open the door. About 50 yards away was a baggy-skinned bear, old, spoon-faced, hump-backed, fur the color of cheap whiskey, stumbling around in the trees. When it stood up on its hind legs and stretched to sniff at something on a branch, its nose was at least 10 feet in the air. It turned and looked at the cabin. It had smelled them. It was a grizzly, hungry enough to emerge from hibernation. It wasn't a morning person. Stuart and Chavez barred the door and consulted each other in nervous whispers. It didn't sound like the bear crept any closer, and after a while they thought they heard it wander away. Neither slept soundly that night, 
not once they knew what it was. The next day, they were less tense at first. Stuart shaved off the second-to-last sliver of rationed salt pork and threw it in a pot at the fire. It sizzled and steamed, and as the aroma bloomed, the bear caught it. The bear loped toward the cabin, grumbling aggressively. Suddenly, it was so close they could hear its breathing through the heavy log walls. It pawed at the door. It pulled itself up the walls and pawed at the roof. The bear spent a few hours grunting, sniffing, and scratching at the little log hovel before its enthusiasm waned and it wandered away. This went on for a week, with their supplies growing lower and the bear becoming more assertive. They needed supplies and they needed to get away from that bear. But the snow was still too deep to be able to get all their pelts out. If they left without their pelts, they'd be losing their income for the year. They argued over the wisdom and safety of it, but Stuart and Chavez reached the conclusion that, bear or no bear, one of them had to go down the mountain for more supplies before they were too starved to bring in their pelts. Chavez would go for supplies, while Stuart would stay at the cabin with their pelts and distract the bear to give Chavez a chance to get out. They had noticed the bear was more active during the day, so, in the freezing light of the full moon, Chavez laced on his snowshoes and slipped away. From the modern Stewart Creek trailhead, below where the men were holed up, if you skirt about a dozen miles along the base of San Luis Peak, over to its southeast side, you'll arrive at the town of Creed. If they were prospectors, that's where Chavez would have headed. If they were trappers, though, Creed didn't exist yet in that historical period, and Chavez would have had a longer, harder trek ahead of him. Stuart had an agonizing wait, with only a nerve-wracking ursine soundtrack for company. But wait he did, worrying more about Chavez every day. It snowed again, and again. One week became two, and food grew scarcer both for him and the bear. Where was Chavez? What had happened to him? Why hadn't he returned? Stuart's thoughts wandered the same rutted circles while the bear grew crankier and more persistent. It sniffed and snorted at Stuart through the chinks in the log walls, its rot-breath bear stink even stronger than Stuart's own unwashed tang. The bear took to standing on its hind legs and leaning against the roof to shake it. Every time, decaying bits of ceiling fell to the floor. Stuart was otherwise a steady man, but between the long winter, his own hunger, Chavez's lengthening absence, and the rasping of the bear's claws on his walls, he edged towards breaking point. Hungry, restless, half-crazed, he considered the pros and cons of going out after Chavez. The bear, not given to contemplation, forced the issue. It could smell those last measly bits of rancid beaver meat inside the cabin. When it realized there was a weakness in the wall next to the door, it simply threw its considerable bulk against that spot until it began to give. Stuart's nightmare was now beating down his walls. 
Frantically, he grabbed his axe and stood back as far as he could to swing when the bear emerged. The bear's head, huge and snarling and full of sharp yellow teeth, burst in the door, but was caught in a gap by its own bulk. Stuart roared and swung, burying the blade in the trapped bear's skull. Now, grizzly heads are one of nature's structural marvels. Thick, ropey muscles encase one of the densest skulls to be found among modern land mammals. Anyone would be hard-pressed to cleave that skull in one blow, but Stuart had the rare opportunity to strike again and again, and he did. The bear groaned and went limp, though it may have been a moment more before Stuart stopped roaring too. His relief was momentary as he realized he now had to get past the dead bear stuck in his only exit. Bill Stewart thought the nightmare was over. He'd reasoned he would hack apart the bear, then go out to find Chavez. He was starving, and now he had something to eat. Even the carcass of a rangy, half-starved bear was more meat than he had seen all winter, and he was past caring about the bad flavor. He methodically went about his task, chunking off bits of bear meat to feed himself as he went. Then he got to the creature's belly. The stomach was engorged, as though the bear had eaten recently, winter skinniness notwithstanding. Stuart was exhausted and sloppy and accidentally split the stomach open. The smell was about as bad as you'd imagine, but that wasn't what bothered Stuart. No. Mixed into the bear's stomach contents were scraps of fabric, a calico cotton. It was yellow, dotted with tiny red flowers. It was stained pieces of the shirt Margarito Chavez had worn most of the season that he'd worn under his coat when he went to find supplies to get them through the rest of the winter. Only, the bear had found him first. From the look of things, the bear had gotten to Chavez on his return trip. Bill Stewart, alone, tormented by the grizzly bear, had been waiting on a dead man. And that is the story of Bill and Margarito and the bear. It's a shorter one, but that's the sort of story I'll be sharing here on Southwest Gothic. There will be other stories about isolation, about strange events, and about things gone wrong. There will be campfire tales, and tales for dark and stormy nights, or for sunny midday strolls through the park with your earbuds, if that's more your pleasure. You'll have noticed that this is labeled a teaser, because I wanted to whet your appetite while I get a few more technical things in place, things like getting myself all synced up on podcast directories. Once those things are all good, I'll set a day of the week, every other week, when new episodes will go live. Listen for an announcement on the first full-length episode, and look for updates on the website. You can always find episodes and other information at southwestgothic.com. There's also a Facebook page, Southwest Gothic Podcast, and an Instagram account, southwest.gothic. 
you'll find updates and some fun visuals in those places. If you enjoy Southwest Gothic, please share it with a friend. I love telling these stories, and I like to believe they enjoy being told. Once again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me again soon. I'm your host, Adrienne Montoya, and you've been listening to Southwest Gothic. <laughs>